T-S-N-Y. going away we're, we're new york city rats roaches yeah just so you think we're gone more come out you really compared us to new york city rats and roaches uh there's a point to this um and it happened last <laughs> night in my apartment so oh no so um so even though i go out of my way to keep mine and caitlin's apartment clean caitlin more so than i am because she's a better cleaner let's just be honest with ourselves um so despite that, it's New York City. It's an apartment. Little critters sometimes get in. Now, thankfully, yeah. th- thankfully, this wasn't a rat. That stayed in the subway or in the Thank sewers God. where it belonged. And okay. the, dude, we, we have cats. Why would we, we have rats, period? They're going to smell the cats and be like, yeah, no, we're not going in here. Bye. True. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so um, Caitlin is due with the baby any day now. Uh, and her mom is here to help out when baby comes. Uh, mom's here till the 18th. And oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so last night we're just uh, we're just chilling, hanging out in the living room. I think I was uh, finishing up dinner in the mm-hmm. kitchen. And then all of a sudden I hear from Caitlin down the hall, ah, there was, I just saw a big roach in the in the bathroom. And I go, I go, it was a roach. It's it's in the bathroom. It probably crawled up through a pipe. It's probably crawled back down the pipe. It's fine. If we see it, we'll kill it. And then all of a sudden, my mother-in-law starts getting, oh, well, like, is it going to bite me? Because she, she lives in Vermont, where there's, bu- there's bugs everywhere, and you don't really need to worry about a roach being right. in the house unless mm-hmm. you are doing a really, really bad job cleaning your house. And she keeps a relatively mm-hmm. clean house, so, we don't, so roaches are not a thing uh, for my mother-in-law, right. thankfully. So... She goes, oh, like, but it's it's in uh it's in the bedroom where I'm staying because she's staying in what's eventually going to be the baby's room, mm-hmm. and and she's just going, oh, it's um, it's gonna get it's gonna get in there. It's, maybe I should vacuum and we'll catch it. And all of a sudden, Caitlin goes, mom, it's probably crawled through the radiator or down a pipe. It's fine. But then as we're talking about it, Caitlin's getting more and more panicked. And then finally, she goes, look, I'm gonna go back, use the bathroom, and just see if I see it. And all of a sudden, like clockwork, we hear from the back of the apartment, there's the motherfucker! And then just whack, like right on the ground. <laughs> and, and then we race back there with the vacuum. The vacuum is run up. Now, now we have a Dyson, mind you. Someone was nice enough. I forget who got it for us. But for a wedding present, we got a Dyson vacuum. Yeah, it's dumb. And all, and all of a sudden, we're going, oh, Caitlin goes, did we get it? Did we get it? I look in the Dyson, the little like dust thingy, and you can see... In pieces, a giant water bug that came and killed. It was like, well, how, how big was it? It was like maybe like that big, maybe like about an inch long. I'd say, yeah, it was a it was a big one. That's yeah, disgusting. This, this is the kind of, this is the kind of bug where you where you squish it and it makes a big noise, like boom. Oh no! Yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, you, you can hear the exoskeleton just crackling piece by piece. This is actually disgusting. <laughs> you gonna throw up yet? This is this is a nice start to the show, Josh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and what's happening in Leanland? What's happening uh, out on Long Island? What, what have I missed since then? Dude, you know I feel like there's nothing. Things have been quiet here. Nothing really going on. 
Is your family Um, feeling okay? Yeah, just, you know, things are chill. Yeah, it's weird. I literally, like, I don't think anything eventful has happened at all. Strange. This ongoing electoral process has caused an imbalance in the most unlikely of places, so... (laughs) All right. Anyway, moving on. We have got a yeah. we have got a lot to cover today, ladies and gentlemen. The Mets have, are making moves, kicking ass, and taking names. We're going to do a little bit of NBA draft talk, but we're going to focus on Lean's Brooklyn Nets this time, and because the, my Knicks have two first round picks, we're probably going to get to that next week. Exactly. We we need to hire a sound guy just for that. Yeah, we're not good enough. Yeah, yeah, but Nick, Knicks have two first round picks, and I guess we'll just have to talk next week about how they're going to mess up both of them because they're the Knicks. Oh my God, that's so funny. Safe and I were talking very briefly about the Knicks yesterday because we were talking about how the season's going to start like December 22nd. Yeah. And I was like, bro, so has your opinion changed on what the Knicks should do with the with their picks? He goes, you're not, you like don't believe me, but I legitimately don't care because literally what you just said, Josh, is like they're going to mess both of them up. It's crazy. You guys literally all think the same. It's not even- <laughs> And you end up being right. It's not, look, it's not that I think the Knicks are going to mess the picks up. And because e- even if they pick someone who's uh, a good uh, a good selection for number eight or number 27, this is such a weak class that it's probably not even going to matter. I mean, let's oh, be yeah. honest with ourselves. Absolutely. This like, is, yeah, it's abysmal. Look, look, I know who I want the Knicks to draft. I know who they probably are going to draft depending on their position. And my only prayer, hope, desperate wish as a Knicks fan is that Leon Rose just messes it up at, as least as possible. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not expe- I'm not expecting a home run this draft is what I'm saying. Right, right. Like, like pick someone who is going to be, look, just a quick slap across the face as opposed to death by a thousand cuts. Like that, mm. that's all I ask for. That's all I ask. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough draft. Yeah. Uh, let's start off with the Mets because Steve Cohen yeah, has been, he's been approved as the owner. It is a new era dawning. A new day has dawned. There is now hope in Flushing Queens. And, uh, oh wait, no, no, that's not Flushing. That's how I was going to make a run DMC joke. Anyway, mm. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that for the Christmas episode. Mom's making chicken and collard greens. I love that song. Anyway, uh, I've only had one cup of coffee. Why am I so weird today? Oh my, today's a weird day. I feel like everyone's in a weird mood. Well, I, 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 had, some, I had some of that Dunkin' Donuts cocoa again right before we went on the air. Please so stop reminding me. Okay, that's it. I'm going to order it today so I, that, that... Okay, yeah. now, now it's just a self-inflicted wound. First, I send you the Amazon. Like, right. Oh, I don't want right. to give money to Jeff Bezos. Then we have a conversation about that. Then I gave you a Staples like What was it, last week? And you still haven't used it. That's just out of laziness. Is, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a self-inflicted wound, bro. I have, I have no sympathy for you in that regard. Okay, this is, tech- this is still your fault, though. You introduced it to me, so, you know. Yeah, okay, complain, <laughs> complain, complain, like you always do. I'm bored, I'm bored with this aspect of the conversation already. <laughs> All right, uh, anyway, Steve Cohen is the new owner of the New York Mets. A new day has dawned in Flushing. It is a great time to be a Mets fan. It's a great time to be a New York sports fan, because we've said several times over, Lean, that when the Mets do well, baseball as a whole does well, too. Uh, and he's he's kicking ass and taking names. Because um, first off, Brody Van Wagenen, gone. Omar Minaya, gone. All their buddies, gone. Sandy Alderson, keep going. They are rebuilding the front office from the ground up, it seems. And uh, 
I'm going to say it. I, I'm not surprised at all. I feel like, we, why is this news? We all knew this was going to happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you want to, like, you know, guess as to why it's news or, like, the newsy aspect of it is just that it happened so quickly. I feel like even Mets fans didn't think it would happen this soon. But, yeah, no, we totally knew this was coming. And, yeah. like, this was definitely all the right moves. This There's nothing to keep from the old regime. It's, yeah, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like maybe like the media, it was just doing what it always does. Yeah, okay, we all know this is going to happen. This is just telling you, hey, what we all knew what was going to happen is now officially happening. Great. Exactly. There we go. Exactly. Uh, it, it was the right move because Brody Van Wagenen, look, by the time he took over, Lean, let's be honest, the New York Mets GM job, it was like the Cleveland Browns head coaching job in the NFL, soon to be the New York Jets head coaching job in the NFL. It was it was not a job anybody wanted. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, when yeah. Joe Girardi turns down the Mets job and already lives in the area, that's when you know you have a problem. Oh, yeah. Dude. So No, 100%. And it's just, like, yeah, I think that this is – it, it's good. this is a move that's going to make the Mets, you know, a team that people want to be a part of moving forward. And that's really good. Yeah. Steve Steve Cohen, he's doing, um, he's kind of following a path that's sort of unconventional because this this isn't something you see many owners do. He's tweeting at the fans saying, Hey, like we're going to, we're going to make something work out of this. He's more engaged than the will, than either of the will ponds have been uh, in years. He is ready to jump in head first and make his favorite team uh, be a contender once again. I, no, I literally was actually going to mention that too. I was just on his uh, Twitter and, you know, for the longest time, I thought it was a fake account because of how engaged he was. Yeah. Like he is so, he's out here liking tweets. He responds to fans. He, he asked, he was like, tell me how you want me to make your Mets experience better. And like people actually make suggestions. He has back, so he engages in back and forth with them. And it's just like, really refreshing to see and i'm sure mets fans are really excited about that oh man he actually cares and it's very evident screw it i'll i'm gonna tweet at him after the show and just be like hey come on maybe we should have him on oh my god if he agrees to come on that would be if so we, sick steve cohen please yankees please. Mets press with josh benjamin and lena mean exclusive interview with steve cohen new owner of the mets two yankees fans who are <laughs> Willing to swallow their pride and actually sit and listen to a Mets guy. Because yeah, I, I'm actually curious. What's he gonna do with the team? How does he Absolutely. want to re how does he want to reinvent it? Like what what's mm-hmm. the plan? Yeah, that that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, well, one route that and this seems like a perfect segue. Uh one route that many are talking about with the Mets trade for Francisco Lindor. Uh, the Cleveland oh. Indians have made it very clear they are trading Francisco Lindor this offseason. It's been the worst kept secret in Major League Baseball for months at oh, this man. point. I remember during the Yankees Indians series, they were talking, hey, we're going to trade Francisco Lindor, or like, yeah, he's going to be traded. They're not going to pay him. Now it's a reality. By this time next year, Francisco Lindor will have played a full Major League Baseball season for a team that is not the Cleveland Indians. Lean, I guess my question to you is, should the Mets pull the trigger? Well, here's something, like, I guess I'll just be very upfront about it. Uh, I've been saying this for a few days now. I anticipate that Francisco Lindor is going to be a New York Met. Like, I actually think that yeah. he's going to go to the Mets. You think so, too? Yeah. For, for, no, go, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. You know, ladies, um, first, ladies first. 
Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so I think what kind of pushed me over, I already was like, had a feeling that this was gonna happen. What pushed me over the edge was that, um, was the news that broke, I can't remember who reported it, when uh, it was announced that uh, Cleveland would want, in ex from the Mets in exchange for Lindor, one of Andres Jimenez uh, or Ahmed Rosario, and one of Pete Alonso or Dom Smith. And then it was reported that the Mets apparently would be willing to give that up. So for me, that's kind of just like, I feel like they're gonna pull the trigger and actually get him. So I will be surprised if the Mets actually don't end up uh, trading for him. But yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts on the matter? I think that the Mets are a prime destination for Francisco Lindor. They're not doing, the Mets aren't doing themselves any favors holding on to Ahmed Rosario. He's one of those guys who, okay, he's, yeah, a, yeah. he's a decent enough contact bat, but he's a complete and utter liability in the field. We know yeah. this by this point. And yeah. I think that you're not- And it's not even like his bat makes up for the bad defense anyway. You know, right. he's not that great of a hitter. Correct. So The sadder yeah. truth is that until the National League has a universal DH, it's going to be tough for Dom Smith to get at bats at City Field, which is a shame mm -hmm. because Dom Smith is probably my favorite player on the Mets, if mm -hmm. we're being completely honest. I like Dom yeah. Smith so much that I traded for him to be on the Yankees in MLB The Show. <laughs> and now he's a monster for me. Uh, but, mm -hmm. anyway, but anyway, I think that um, I think that the Mets, look, you have Dom Smith. Where, Lee, tell me, where are the, without a universal DH, where are the Mets going to get at-bats for Dom Smith? Serious question. I'm going to say something that is okay. such a hot take. I feel like you're going to, like, fight me. Okay. Um, dude, low-key, I think I would rather have Dom Smith on my team than Pete Alonso. I, okay. All right. I understand that <laughs> because Pete Alonso, he's a big, strong guy. And, look, we know, watching him right now, his days of being an effective defensive first baseman are going to be few and far between, right? Yes. Yeah, because here I'm, yes, I'm pulling absolutely. up his fan, I'm pulling up his Fangraphs page right now just so we can see. While, while you while you do that, Josh, um, I don't know like how how much people know about this, but Alonzo's defense at first base was so bad that he was moved to the DH later on in the season, and Smith ended up becoming the you know almost everyday first baseman. Right. Uh, now. Like, Ladies and gentlemen, take these numbers with a grain of salt because these advanced fielding metrics, in order to get a good picture of what they really are, they need at least a three-year sample. Mm -hmm. Now, given how abbreviated sure. the 2020 season was, that means we're probably going to need two more years out of Alonso before we have a full picture on his fielding. Of how however, however, <laughs> early returns are not optimistic. Uh, 2019 is rookie year. Uh, defensive run saved or DRS, minus three. Ultimate zone rating that that just uh, I think that's a range uh, that's a range thing. I'll I'll look that up in a mm -hmm. second. It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, his UZR one point eight, so he's got negative DRS but a positive UZR. So okay, maybe yeah. he can move, and that and that stuff. It's like sort of like an Eric Hosmer sort of thing. Twenty twenty minus four DRS, uh, UZR minus one point seven. Now yeah. you, now you compare that to Dom Smith. I mean, is Dom Smith that much of? Again. No, Josh, I was going to say this. Dom Smith actually isn't that good of a defender, but, like, he's better than Alonzo. Well, you know? Dom Smith can at least play the outfield in an emergency. 
Yeah, and he's versatile. Exactly. You could throw right. him in left, whatever. Like he'll, he'll right. Play. So looking at Dom Smith right now, uh, first base, he's got okay. He's been inconsistent in terms of DRS, like minus yeah. five twenty seventeen. Then he hit one in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. It was minus two this year, and his UZR kind of hovers like between like between the negative one or at or about zero area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the outfield, he's he's arguably worse. He's a he's a slow. He's worse in the outfield. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. not so, a good outfielder. So that's why I think that look, I love Don Smith as much as the next guy. The Cleveland Indians, they could use him a lot more than they could use Pete Alonso. Otherwise, the Mets, they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna have to take probably take on Carlos Santana's contract. You're already taking on Lindor. You're not gonna take on a bad contract when you're when you're giving Wait, up. Wait, why would the oh, why would the Mets have to take on Carlos Santana's contract? Oh, I was just spitballing. Oh, like the like the Indians would throw him into the yeah Lindor yeah yeah deal? yeah yeah, which like which probably isn't going to happen. The odds of that probably happening not because also I don't think that I think the Indians would want more if they throw in Santana. They'd want more. Well, than well, just Santana's a, well, Sant- well, Santana's an expiring contract. I know, but still, I feel like that's not. Like because Lindor's in there, I think they'd want at least one more player. Maybe like right. you mentioned uh, yesterday, like um, a pitching prospect or something. Well, yeah, because I think so, I think yeah, because yeah, I said in the in the ESNY Slack chat the other day, I think that the Mets, uh, if they could, could put together a deal of what was it? It was Dom Smith. I remember I suggested. Yeah, I'm going like, back. I think you said Smith and Rosario, and then yeah, 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 prospect. yeah, yeah. A Med Rosario, Dom Smith, and a pitching prospect, maybe, and we'll throw a, yeah. like an, and we'll throw an outfield prospect in there just for fun, um, mm-hmm. as well as um, oh yeah, and the Mets and the Mets would get back uh, Francisco Lindor and Josh Naylor, who would, yeah, who would right, give right, them, right, 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 who would give them another lefty bat to. Uh, to compensate uh, to compensate for the loss of Smith, the difference being Josh Naylor, he's very good. He had a, he had a good performance in the playoffs, but he but we still don't really know what he's going to be on uh, the MLB level yet. As, yeah, as like to be honest with you, I don't know how much the Mets would actually want Naylor because first of all, we have to remember the Mets do have a crowded lineup, and second of all, like there's a, they're trying to actually get a legitimate. Uh, center fielder so if they do and get like a legit outfield bat then there really is absolutely no room for Naylor so um, I mean I can I can think I of one, I can think of one way to make Naylor work but you're not gonna like it <clears throat> throw, throw Nimmo mean? into the deal oh I actually just wrote something about um like the Mets potentially trading trading Brandon Nimmo I don't but but that's the thing Josh like yeah, like and, Nimmo and, is so much better than Naylor. And, yeah, you know and, what I and, mean? and Naylor, he's a corner outfield guy anyway. So, so yeah, and in that case, you just hang on to Nimmo. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, Nimmo Nimmo's he, an excellent corner outfielder. So, uh, uh, you mean yeah. center fielder? No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Nimmo, so Nimmo is not a center fielder. That's the whole issue. That's why the Mets want to get a center fielder. He's a corner outfield, a very good one at that who had been forced to play center field because the Mets don't have a proper center fielder. Um, And first off, I'm I'm on his fan graphs page and it always blows my mind that Brandon Nimmo, like despite how little and adorable he looks on TV is six foot three. Oh, he's huge dude. Yeah. He looks so like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So (laughs) 
yeah, you're right because his his defensive metrics in center field are horrific compared. Oh, actually, to- um, are you ready for this? He after yeah. the, at the in the last week of the season, I think they literally I read something and it was like Brandon Nimmo is the worst defensive center fielder in the entire league. Like not one of he literally was the worst defensive center fielder I buy in the it. league this year. I buy yeah. it because because if you look at his DRS across all three outfield positions, DRS in left field plus five. And like that, that's his, that's his best yeah. uh, across the board. Right He's field, good and left. Yeah, right field DRS, negative one. Not ideal, you can work with that. Career yeah. DRS in center field, minus 14. <laughs> it's like, oh man, Mets, Mets yeah, are going to yeah. Mets. Mets are going to yeah, no, Yeah, he is awful in center field. That's why that's one of their priorities, like to go out and get yeah. a proper center field. Well, that, well, that's also where George Springer comes into the equation because he doesn't. Exactly. Because, George Springer or Michael Brantley, exactly. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather George Springer over Michael Brantley just because like they're, they're both relatively injury-prone dudes, Brantley especially. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but George Springer, he's a good leader. He's he's one of those guys who constantly gives it his all you know he's going to show up and not give an attitude about anything he's going to keep he's going to like speak up as a leader uh and i think that depending on how the lindor sweepstakes shake out because i I think it right now i'm preparing myself that francisco lindor to the mets it's not Mm -hmm. just an idea it's a certainty the only other team i can think of that would make a similar contract or a contract we could make a similar trade offer would be the dodgers and even yeah. then, and even then, I don't see them giving up Davin Lux or Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I think I mean, that, yeah. So Lindor to the Mets. Uh, now, now the Yankees have been have been linked to him too. Apparently, Michael Kay said. Yeah, the other day I wanted to talk show, about that actually. Yeah, Michael mm-hmm. Kay said on the his radio show the other day. Oh, like DJ LeMahieu, he's thirty two years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Glaber Torres. Uh, he one thing that we saw him at shortstop is he's a better second baseman, and this is where I think that the analytics versus actually Josh just like a quick pointer. Comes in. Um, yeah, just a quick pointer. That's a common misconception. Glaber Torres is actually not better at second base. He's a little bit worse, believe it or not. I was shocked when I looked at the numbers, but yeah, it's just well, it's concerning because he's just like not a good defensive player, I guess. But um. But yeah, anyway, continue yeah. what you were saying. Yeah. Just and, yeah. And so like Mike, and so that that aside though, this is where mm-hmm. I want to bring up analytics because because first off, like you just said, he's a better uh, second baseman, better shortstop than he's a second baseman, right? Right. Not by much, but yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but also Michael Gay, he's roasting him over his shortstop defense. I'm sitting here going, wait a minute. Michael Kay watched almost every game this year, right? He did watch every game from Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He he saw what the team's uh, what the story of the team season was. There was a roller coaster, very streaky. There was that one really bad twenty game stretch. The point being, analytics are not a formula for building a winner. They are a recipe to build a team to take you through the course of a regular season and hopefully win to get a spot in the playoffs. And once the playoffs start, it's usually considered. Analytics are nice, but for across the board, all bets are off. Am I wrong? No. Okay. I don't think so. All right. The point being, in analytics, you see these numbers. You say, oh, Glaber Torres is a, is a bad defender. Okay, but look at the season he had. There was that one like week and a half, two-week stretch where the Yankees infield defense, nobody could get a play right. It wasn't just Torres. Right. Right, like, right, Luke right. Boyd couldn't get anything done. Gio Urshela yeah. was having a rough game uh, a couple of times. 
Like, Labor Torres, he had some really bad games, but at the same time, you need to look at the numbers in context. You can't just make a blanket statement about it. Like, come on, like, Michael, no. got to be better than that. Josh, I, I love what you just said because, like, look, Francisco Lindor is one of the best players in baseball. I think we're all on the same page there. Um, if you, defensively you want to compare him to Glaber, obviously he's much better. But here's what it comes down to, at least for me. I personally, I think Torres is an awful defender. I don't think he's ever going to get much better. And it is something that concerns me. But you you got to take it with a grain of salt. Everything that you just said about like those rough stretches, that is totally fair. If you want to come for him, you got to come for everyone as well. Um, and also it's just like Glaber, at least up until now, what he has brought with his offense makes up for his lackluster defense and I personally do not think that Glaber's like shortcomings with the glove are enough for the Yankees to like move him to second and then just go and acquire a superstar shortstop that's kind of just the moral of the story from my perspective just for semantic context folks I am looking at uh Torres's shortstop and second base metrics right now it's shortstop it's not pretty it's not pretty But if you look at the 2020 numbers, the, these aren't just bad numbers. They're remarkably bad numbers where anyone's going to look at them matched up with the, with the other metrics and say, this is concerning. It's probably a blip on the radar. Mm. Like it's like a minus nine DRS. That's not good for a shortstop. It just isn't. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, if you look at his career DRS across both positions, it's like minus 19. Which okay, that's mm-hmm. not good, but it, he hasn't he hasn't proven Miguel and Duhar unreliable in the field yet. More often than right. not, when I watch right. when I watch uh, Glaber Torres play shortstop, I'm pretty confident he's going to make the play. I, it's not yeah. like he it's, it's not like Andujar's playing third base. It's a ground ball to the left, and you go, oh god! It's just like Glaber Torres. Josh, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I'm I'm going to say something that's probably going to piss off our listeners, but yeah. you want to talk about like. If you just want to, because what were you saying about analytics? You just want to look at, pull up Glaber Torres' fan graphs and read off the analytics. I'm going to do the same thing. Look at this player. Negative 13, next season, negative 13, next season, negative 27, next season, negative 16, next season, negative 24, next season, negative 10. Do you know who this player is that I'm reading off? This is Derek Jeter. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's why you got to take this stuff with. Would anyone ever say, "Let's move Derek Jeter and just get another super a superstar"? I mean, I, I mean, absolutely Cash, not. I mean, Cashman tried to move him to the outfield after 2010. Uh, that's yeah. That aside, you know, and the whole A Rod debacle as well aside. But you know, fans wouldn't want that. So like, come on now. And Jeter, if you want to go by DRS, was an infinitely worse defender than Gleyber Torres has proven to There's be so There's a big far. difference between being a bad <laughs> defender and being a, and being wholly incapable of fielding your position. Yes, yes. And Gleyber is not that, at least not yet. So. And, not, and not just that. Um, Francisco Lindor, this is his last year of arbitration. He's going to be making <laughs> north of $20 million a year. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a lot of money. Uh, in free agency and the Yankees they're like, oh what are you gonna do trade Clint Frazier trade Clark Schmidt trade whoever for a rental meanwhile Garrett Cole he's got eight years left on his contract mm-hmm. Giancarlo Stan opted in for the rest of his contract guys like mm-hmm. Torres have to be have to be uh, extended soon DJ LeMay who's gonna need an extension at some uh, hopefully in free agency 
But so you can't just go trading for someone who's going to help you win now and then break the bank. Don't like mortgaging the future never works. I mean, unless, unless, unless uh, the Indians front office pretty much calls up Frank Cashman and says, Hey, I need, we really need to get rid of this guy. No one else will take him. What are you willing to, what are you willing to part with so that we can just get this guy off our hands? Sort of like, sort of like when Derek Jeter called Cashman over Giancarlo Stanton. Like I've mm-hmm. tried trading him to the to the Cardinals. I've tried trading him to the Dodgers. I've tried trading him to the Giants. He's not going to waive his no trade clause. He wants to come here. Can you please help me help me lose this guy, or, or else I cannot trade him? Right. And sure enough, Cashman said, "All right, well, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth." Right. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, right. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I. I do. I really. For, for multiple reasons, I do not want Lindor. I don't. And I, I think that the Yankees can win without spending all of that money, you know, without the, doing all of that. The only circumstance I can think of where, the, where I would be okay with the Yankees getting Lindor, and even if under these circumstances, I would need about two weeks to punch a hole in the wall, would mm-hmm. be if you, if you built a trade package centered around, stay with me here, Gio Urshela, you put mm-hmm. and then you put DJ LeMahieu at third base, third, yeah. and then you put and then you have Lindor and or Torres uh, kind of interchange between shortstop and second, mm-hmm. and that'd be a good trade, I think. But at the same time, I like, yeah, LeMahieu can play a good defense, uh, can field third base well, but so can Urshela. Ur- Urshela's a god in the field. You know this. Yeah. I know this. Yeah. So I don't well, know. actually, actually, I was just looking at his fan graphs. Um, who even, I, I understand that like Lindor is an amazing fielder, but also he's never played a second base in the majors. Uh, so I don't maybe, even know. Maybe this is, he'd probably be fine, but. Well, that, well, that just leads to my next point. Maybe, maybe this, mm-hmm. uh, maybe this philosophy has gone out as analytics have come in, but for most of my life watching baseball, I like, I was taught by coaches, like watching with my dad right, and with other right. people that. If you can play shortstop well, you'll you can have play a, second. Yeah, you can play second or or any position, really. Right. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, either way, the I think that the Yankees need to prioritize re-signing DJ LeMahieu and Masahiro Tanaka more than they need to uh, prioritize trading for Francisco Lindor. If that makes sense. Absolutely, Josh. I don't. I don't know. Like, if for me, it's just like pessimism or whatnot. But I don't know. I'm not like. I don't know how I'm feeling about this whole DJ thing. Like it's, I'm at sometimes I want to say that I'm pretty confident because Cashman said that it's a priority as well as Tanaka and DJ has made it clear that he wants to stay with the Yankees, but I don't know. Well, no, well DJ has made it clear that he wants to stay with the Yankees. Yeah, I said that. Oh, oh I, heard, I heard hasn't. Maybe Zoom is weird. Oh, no, no. I said has. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm still kind of feeling a little pessimistic. I don't know about you. Um, I am not expecting anything out of free agency this year, um, because we all know owners are trying to keep revenues down. And I mm-hmm. think, and look, we, part of my theory is proving wrong. A lot of guys have been, ex- not a lot of guys, but a few guys have been extended the qualifying offer and Marcus Stroman denied it. So he's obviously, even though he didn't play last year, he's feeling confident that he can land a better deal on the qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and DJ received a qualifying offer. I didn't hear anything about him accepting or declining it. 
Yeah. But I think that because of his Silver Slugger Award, because he is the AL batting champion, I think that it behooves the Yankees to say, look, because Brian Cashman, he's not a bullshitter. Mm -hmm. He's very honest. I think that Brian Cashman would be cheating himself if he didn't sit both these guys down and said, look, we all know what this offseason is going to look like. We all know what kind of contracts you want. That, that's just not going to happen. It, like, we, mm-hmm. we can't do it. But look, yeah. we love you guys. We respect you guys. I'm willing to sit down right here and talk until we are able to come to a, an agreement of some kind. And if, we can't, yeah. and if we can't come to an agreement, then we part as friends and gentlemen. But I, Cashman needs to sit them both down and say, I need you to know that this offseason, you guys are my priority. So like I so I'd be thrilled if we could sit down and make something work. Yeah. Now obviously that's not going to happen because like it's more cutthroat than that. But I think that with with uh, baseball free agency, the best thing we can do is take a wait and see approach because it's going to take one guy getting a contract to set the market for everybody else. That's how it's worked every year. Of course, yeah, 100%. yeah, and so. While this this class isn't as strong as last year's, there's still enough big names out there that someone's going to get a multi-year deal, and that is mm-hmm. going to affect how other teams structure multi-year deals that they offer to other right. agents. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no, no. I'm just like I, I just I hope you're right because I think that DJ is just like one of the very, very most important players to the Yankees and yeah it it would hurt to see him go elsewhere I could all I also expect the Mets to make a move for him so and that would like absolutely kill me oh god I don't don't even what what the hell's the matter with you putting that out I'm sorry because me and my brother were talking about it last night (laughs) I'm not not sending you any links to hot chocolate anymore (laughs) from now on you're only getting Amazon links for me like get putting that negative energy out there (laughs) You're seriously the worst. Like, why do we do the show together? All, oh I ask is that, all I ask is for one hour a week that you not irritate me to high heaven. And we just sit down here, just sit down in our chairs in front of our computers, just have a nice conversation about sports, and here you are putting out in that universe that negative energy that DJ LeMay is going to sign with the Nets or with the Mets. I said they're going to make a move for him. I didn't say they're going to get him. There's a difference. Let, you know what? Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> Let's move on. All right. We are now a part of the the special feature of the show, folks. You have had the appetizers. Here's the entree. Uh, It's NBA. (laughs) It is uh, NBA draft time. The draft is in about a week and a half. It's on November 18th. It's going to be virtual. And uh, Lean, your Brooklyn Nets have a first round pick this year. Yeah, I'm really excited, as you can tell. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, all right. Well, what do you want the Nets? Who do you want the Nets to draft? But just like when I just position, Josh, when I tell you, oh, position wise, oh, oh, someone who can play on the wing, most likely. I can respect that. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Someone who can who can play on the wing and at least kind of contribute in terms of depth. You see, this is the difference between you and I. Uh, The Nets are actually a good team. You know what I mean? So we don't have to rely. You are not a good team. You are a mediocre team that happens to have two superstars, one of whom didn't even play last year. Let's just get it right, okay? Okay, right. we're going to be the I'm best assault, team I'm in the East next, next year, whatever. Fine. We're not going to be the best team in the East. Yeah, okay, okay, fine, sure. Let's, let's, see, let's see how that shakes out. 
anyway. Such a hater. Okay, anyway. I'm not a hater. I'm a realist. All right, Continue anyway. your slander. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so anyway, so as we mentioned, folks, uh, what we're going to do right now is I'm going to read off some names that I think would be a decent fit for the Nets. These are mostly guards, but they, but they have the size and the athleticism that they can play on the wing, depending on what Steve Nash decides to do with them. Uh, I will say this much about Nets basketball. I am super excited to watch that offense because the Mike D'Antoni sons, he's just joined Steve Nash's crew as an assistant. Uh, this is going to be fun basketball to watch. It's good. That, that's all there is to it. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Lean, are you ready? Yeah, go. All right, your first potential Nets draft prospect. This guy has been getting some buzz. R.J. Hampton. Yeah, go. Give a little spiel on him, and then I'll give you my thoughts. Okay, R.J. Hampton. He is someone who he is one of those guys who skipped uh, college in the states, opted to go play in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not much of a shooter. He's more of like a combo guard. He's kind of a slasher. He's six four, one seventy five. Uh, NBADraft.net has his pro comparison at, once they load the page, at Dante Exum, Australian Utah Jazz bust. Uh, Lean, you how are you feeling it. about RJ Hampton? Okay, again, I, I, before, before I give my opinion on RJ Hampton, I want to start by saying that I don't really care that much for any player you know, I'm not super invested, so you're not going to hear me be really excited or really pessimistic about any of these guys. Um, that being said, um, I it intrigues me that the Nets are currently so high on him. Like, you probably know that, right? That the Nets yeah. are, like, they're very, very interested in him. Um, I He's fast, which is nice. Um, his... His numbers aren't wow, uh, but he's explosive. I like that about him. Good size. Um, I, I I don't know. That's uh, oh, I have another comparison for you, by the way, Zach Levine, yeah. uh, which is a little interesting. But yeah, I hate his three point shot. It's it right. needs a like a lot of work. It's not good. Um, but. Yeah, he seems like he's a decent playmaker, which is nice. Like I said, I think his um, the fact that he's super, super explosive, I think that's my favorite thing about him. But yeah, I'm really not a fan of his numbers, really not a fan of his three-point shooting. I think that's, you know, uh, my I summary. Think, yeah, because if you look at he played very briefly with the New Zealand Breakers of the National Basketball League, which is based in Australia. Yeah, sorry, those when I said he had bad numbers, that's what I was referring to. His numbers in the yeah, yeah. so just for context, yeah. folks, 8.8 points per game, uh, played 15 games, 20.6 minutes per game, shot just about 40 percent and change from the field, 29 and a half percent of his threes. I, I've been saying this for a long time, I don't understand why some of these prospects leave for college or, or leave or throw college ball by the wayside to go play internationally. Mm-hmm. Now, look, short term, I get it. They want to get paid. I, I'm not yeah, going yeah, yeah. to fault them for that. But I think yeah. that if you're going to be one of these youngsters who goes, to, who goes international right out of high school mm-hmm. and, is, and then goes play internationally, at least stay for a couple of years and refine your game. Don't, be like, don't, sure. don't go play a small handful of games and then, and then be done with it. 
mean, mm -hmm. one guy I like to look to is Brandon Jennings. So, mm -hmm. so granted, he went and played in Italy, and yeah, he mm -hmm. didn't put up he didn't put up very good numbers there. But he at least played in twenty seven games in what in right. uh, the Italian Serie A season for Lotto mm -hmm. uh, Monte Roma. So I think that if you're gonna play internationally, go there not just for the paycheck. Go there to to work on your craft. Right. Because if look, if I'm RJ Hampton's agent and I see his stats from New Zealand and he's like, I want to go NBA, I want to go NBA. I'm telling him, look, I understand you want to get you want to get on the NBA, you want to get paid, like everyone, everyone does, stay here, work on your game, and then put yourself in a better position for when you do go to the NBA. Like, it's simple Gosh, as that. The thing, I like completely agree with what you're saying. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate, I guess. The thing is, though, I think like Hampton and like his camp, like his agent and stuff are completely aware that this draft class is appalling. So like, right. even the fact that he like doesn't look overall like his profile isn't too great it won't matter because he's still gonna go they, in the first round they'd rather you know, he be like, a big fish in a small pond than right. have more competition because next year's draft class is supposed to be half decent yeah exactly so I, yeah i don't know yeah yeah so i think well, that i think mm -hmm. that playing for steve nash if he's a if he's a guard who can't shoot it doesn't matter how explosive he is he's gonna have a hard time in that system you watch. You remember those Phoenix Suns seem same as I do. It was yeah that starting lineup. You had uh, Raja Bell, who was a shooter. Mm -hmm. Steve Nash, shooter. Sean Marion, shooter. Amari Stoudemire could play the pick and roll, but also had range. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then off the bench, Leandro Barbosa, shooter. These are yeah. these are all guys who could shoot threes because it's yeah. the offense. It's seven seconds or less for a reason because they incorporate mm -hmm. the three pointer a lot. We know how mm -hmm. Mike D'Antoni rolls most of the time. And Steve yeah. Nash is probably going to teach uh, teach either that system or something very similar. RJ Hampton, if if the Nets are going to draft him, okay, that's fine. But they they shouldn't expect a lot out of him as a rookie. I think that taking uh, him, I think taking him even at number nineteen, it's not a reach, but it's still a wasted pick. Oh no, I yeah, I completely agree with you, and I do not. I, I was telling you that like I just want the Nets to get someone who I think will help you know in one way or another and I don't think Hampton is going to be able to contribute that much I did want to ask you this though uh the Knicks like have been asked about Hampton and it's kind of been made clear that they um they like him but with the number eight pick that's too high I'm yeah. assuming you agree with that right yeah um if I if the Knicks are going to take RJ Hampton <laughs> and they've already said they're open to trading down uh they're they're not going right. to take RJ Hampton unless they do trade down Right, and if they right, take yeah. and if they take Hampton at eight, then they clearly know something we don't. Um, but right. now, knowing Tom Thibodeau, they're they're going to want something of a slasher in terms of mm -hmm. a point guard who can score. They want someone who can score in bunches, can drive to the rim, and also have some range. Uh, right. But enough about the Knicks. Let's keep moving on with the Nets. Shall yeah. We? Go ahead. All right. Next up, I'm God. I'm going to butcher his the pronunciation of his name. Uh, I think I know who you're gonna say. Uh, uh, the young man from France, Theo yes. Maladon. I believe in French it's Theo Maladon. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, that's what I'm yeah, assuming. I, I yeah. think you're right. But anyway, yeah. uh, uh, he's a point guard with size. He's 19, <clears throat> uh, 6'5", 175. Got a lot of length. The, the, I'm talking the kind of length where even for a point guard, you could probably throw him on the wing in an emergency. Mm -hmm. uh, Lean, what do you think of uh, my boy Theo? I low-key like him, if I'm yeah. being honest with you. Um, 
yeah, he, uh, if you compare him with, um, what's his name, Hampton, he's not as explosive, but like you were just mentioning his length, he has really, really long strides that kind of makes up for that. Um, I think he just has some skills that need to be refined, but there's like a basis for everything there. Good vision, um, just uses his body really, really well. Um, I think he has a good shot, even though it needs to be refined. Right. But yeah, uh, also good in transition, which is something that I, I value. Yeah. Uh, his comparisons I thought were pretty interesting. I saw one comparison. This one is like unrealistic, but I guess ceiling. Uh, Tony Parker, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, more realistic comparisons that I saw were Reggie Jackson and Jordan Clarkson. Um, so... I think yeah, that I, I can definitely see the Reggie Jackson, Jordan Clarkson comparison in, yeah. that, in that his offense is going to um, is going to take a while to show up. Yeah. Um, I think that he's a he's a better he's a much more refined prospect compared to Hanson in that he's been playing professionally since he was 15, 16 years old. Because right. yes. he's, he's 19 now. Since 2017, he's played for Asphalt Lyon in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, one thing you have to understand about uh, Theo Maladon, I'm, I'm going to try to pronounce his name, but I'm so bad at this. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, one thing about Maladon is that um, even though his numbers for Asphalt aren't that pretty, because for the 2018-19 season, he, uh, he only averaged 7.1 points per game, played 17.8 minutes, shot 35.1% from three, which is pretty impressive for a youngster. But if you look at uh, his international play, playing for the French junior national team in FIBA. Uh, yeah, 20, I was going to bring this up. Yeah. yeah, 2017 in the U16 championship in Montenegro. 14.6 points, 5.1 rebounds, 3.1 assists. That's in seven games. And then for the U17 in Argentina, 11.1 points, 6.1 rebounds, 4.1 assists. So yeah, yeah. even though they're, they're talking up as a point guard, he's definitely going to be more of, I think, that sort of, you know, I'll throw this. I'll throw this comparison out there. This guy seems more like a Drew Holiday type, where he's a little on the bigger side, but mm. uh, so he's going to get his hamstring a little more inside, and they'll probably have him run the two a little bit. So yeah. I think that in Brooklyn, if Steve Nash is going to be an excellent coach for this for Theo Maladon, especially with Mike D'Antoni there, and mm-hmm. um, oh god, the other guy they hired, um, Yudoka. Did I get his name right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're definitely gonna those that's a key coaching group that I think would benefit Theo Maladon tremendously, especially in Brooklyn. Um yeah. but the question is, I is agree. he gonna is he gonna be available at number 19? That that's yeah, that's, that's the million definitely. dollar question. Yeah. Because uh, I like to go by NBA draft.net because they do a lot of mocks. Um yeah. Over the course of I usually days. use them too. Yeah. yeah they currently mm-hmm. have in their latest mock, they have him going number 15 to the Magic. So, oh my God, I was, I was waiting for you to finish so I could say that apparently the Magic are also like, they're very interested in him. So, would not be surprised by that. But the, the Magic, I get why they're interested in him. I'm just, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a good coaching match. Like, that, that's not a mark, that's not a knock against Steve Clifford because, because mm. he's good at what he does. I just don't think that on a team that, that is built around bigs like Jonathan Isaac, uh, Nick, uh, Nick Vucevic, and um, Aaron Gordon, I don't think the Magic are necessarily the right spot for him. Now, maybe with Avon Fournier on the way out. Um, wait, mm. Fournier, Fournier's in the Magic, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah so yeah god i I forget my team sometimes i'm getting so i feel you i feel you yeah (laughs) so i think that unless you can unless the magic commit okay we are going to make uh maladon a a two guard he is going to be the focal point of the offense but we don't need him to be a major contributor for at least two years if they commit to that and tell him from the get-go this is what we're going to do then he then he's going to know look i'm a professional i've been playing like for a while i know what i need to work on just let me work on that great no problem but i I will say this though about him like maybe working out on the magic his arguably biggest weakness is his defense right and i yeah. think that that the magic might work out for him because the magic are an elite defensive team so yeah. like if he can't you know defend there are other people to pick up the slack for him you know right. so i think that 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 would be helpful for him but yeah. yeah i mean i i personally i would have no complaints if he does end up coming to the nets even though like we do need good defenders but you know I see some upside with him, so I guess we'll see. All right. Shall we continue? Yes. All right. Uh, We are going to continue with someone who I think this is a great NBA draft name. Uh, I did a little feature on him for ESNY fairly recently. Out of Lexington, Kentucky, lean Tyrese Maxey. Okay. Go ahead. Got a slashing uh, combo. Guard. That is a good. He does have a good uh, basketball name. I didn't yeah, even like. Uh, six three, two hundred pounds out of Texas. Spent last year playing for John Calipari. Averaged fourteen points per game. Shot forty two point seven percent from uh, from the field. Um, not much of a rebounder or passer, but uh, in fact, I have seen several NBA mock drafts with the Nets taking him. Uh, Lean, you got a little slashing combo guard. What do you think about him in Brooklyn? So I think you're being a little optimistic. I, I'll be honest with you. I, if he falls to the nets, I'll be surprised. I think he's going to go higher. Um, but I, I would, if he does fall to us, yeah, I, he would probably be my number one choice. I would say I'd like, if we're talking about realistic picks, I want him a really, really good defender. Um, I think he has like, at least in this draft, like top 10 talent um yeah they, I, uh, they've been saying he's one of the he's one of the best kept secrets of the draft yeah yeah like do, do not do not be surprised if uh the knicks take him i think they're actually interested in him as well um, yeah they yeah they they view him as someone they could potentially trade back for mm, okay yeah um, i mean yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just look, if there's one thing that works with for Tyrese Maxey to the Knicks, it's that uh one of their assistants on on Thibodeau staff is this guy Kenny Payne, who spent years at Kentucky with uh, with Calipari. So he knows Maxey. He's like, yeah. look, I know okay. this guy, yeah. I can develop him. Uh executive vice president uh William Wesley or Worldwide West, he's got lots of Kentucky connections. And mm. look, Tyrese Maxey can score in bunches and he does have underrated range but his main yeah. thing is that he re- he can read schemes he knows how to pass but yeah he, he doesn't have a good a good release on his jumper and that and that's going to be fixed with coaching uh he mm-hmm. already knows how to limit his turnovers because he only averaged just above two in college and he's mm-hmm. but regardless he's a project player and he's 6'3 198 and yet he's and that's a guy to me who's built like a two, like a point guard, but he plays the two. 
and mm. he's got a decent true shooting percentage. And like I said, he can get hot from beyond the arc. He's never he shot twenty nine point two percent from three. And mm. in the league today, you got to be more reliable uh, with your range. And yeah. the problem and the problem is when you look. Oh, but he can slash. It's fine. Yes, he can drive the lane, but he doesn't really attack the rim. Rather, if if he He's driving the lane. Oh, there's traffic. He stops in the middle of the paint, throws up a floater or a mid-range jumper. He doesn't really doesn't really try to get fouled. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely one of his um his biggest issues. Um, and he's not and he's not that shooting. good a defender either. He's like, uh, yeah, I, 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 he's I above he's average. Can, yeah, which like I don't know. I feel like with his offense, I honestly would take that. Um, with, with his shooting, what you were saying though, yeah, he does need to be better from three, but I don't know. I, I feel like that, that would come with time. I feel like that's something that he can be able to, uh, you know, he can get his numbers up in that regard, but yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah. And cause look, the Knicks need a guard who isn't just going to develop and carry the offense. They need someone who can score in a reliable way so that, uh, RJ Barrett can be complimented. Yeah, Tyrese yeah, yeah. Maxey does have talent, but I think the Nets are a much better, uh, much better spot for him because first off, you already know that guards on the Nets are going to be taken care of. It, that's, yes. that's just how it goes. Steve Nash, he knows mm-hmm. he's going to look at this guy and say, "Okay, I played point guard in the NBA. I played the two sometimes. I know what your weaknesses are, and from a playing standpoint, now let's see if we can teach you how to fix them." Mike D'Antoni, right? Yudoka, uh, let's go. So I think that. If the Nets get him, that that could be a potential steal pick, and it could be somewhere. Okay, we use the first round pick on a guy who's a bench player. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. I saw um, his NBA draft pro uh, um, comparison is Katino Mobley, uh, who you remember mm-hmm. from the Rockets and Clippers for all those years. And but the thing with Mobley, it took him time to get there. Like it wasn't an immediate right. impact thing, and that's right. fine. But any but no, point- like like I told you, if the if the Nets do get him, like I consider that a win. I really think that's a good pick for the Nets. Correct. So I'm not even gonna, if it does end up taking time, like you're saying, I'm not even mad. Like I really, I think that's a really good pick for them. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Mo- yeah. Moving on, uh, we got another guard for you. Got lots of guards here. Uh, this one, uh, not really a two guard, but maybe he could be your point man for whenever Kyrie Irving decides to step at to go retreat into his feelings again. Uh, don't don't stop every time you insult him i'm gonna do that from now on every time great then i'll do that whenever then i'll be sure to take my headphones off whenever i do that Uh, all right anyway moving on uh lean your next your second to last nba draft prospect for the nets out of san diego state malachi flynn this guy is a He's a little guy. He is a watch was a Washington State transfer uh, going into this past season. Uh, on the He's a cutie. Okay, uh, kind of has a weirdly shaped head, but any, that's any, so mean. Okay. Anyway, continue. Any, anyway, six one one eighty five. I look at this guy's numbers and I think I look at him now that he's being pegged as a late round pick. I look yeah. at this guy and I, I see potential draft steal. 17.6 points per game, less than two turnovers per game already. Doesn't He doesn't foul guys, 1.8 steals, 5.1 assists, made 44.1% of his shots from the field, shot 37.3% from three. The one drawback of his 13 shots attempted per game, 6.4 were threes. Lean, 
can this guy be a future Nets point guard for when Kyrie Irving is eventually done with the team? Be that in a couple of years or whenever. I don't know. I okay. So with Flynn, I like what he does well. So he he's a good playmaker. Yep. Uh, he's a good defender. He's a good shooter from three. Uh, he's good on the pick and roll. But what we were just discussing, I don't like he's pegged to be a late first rounder. So I don't, I would be inclined to, you know, be a little disappointed if the Nets do take him. Cause I feel like, I don't know, there might be some better guys available earlier, but I don't know. It, he might, and he might be a steal. Cause he, I think his biggest issues are probably his athleticism and uh, the fact he's that he small. should be bigger. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. that's if if you look at his scouting reports, they all say the same thing that he's most likely gonna need to bulk up if he wants to be successful in the NBA. So yeah. I don't know. The skill set is there. It's just I don't know. Maybe his his like you know his body and physicality is it's gonna be a problem for him. I think I that because Malachi Flynn, he kind of reminds me of a like almost a poor man's Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State, and that as mm-hmm. a guard he kind of does it all, whereas Halliburton. It's not just that he does it all as a guard. He can play several positions. You could, you could put right. him at the point. He can play the two. You can, you can put him on the wing. But I think mm-hmm. that what the two have in common is that no matter where they land, and this, and this is especially with the Nets, the coaching has to be patient with them because they're both so di- they're both such dynamic talents that we don't really know what they're going to be professionally yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that because we know he can shoot. His true shooting percentage at San Diego yeah. State, 58.3%. That's nothing to sneeze at. Plus defender, right. 4.1 defensive box, mm-hmm. uh, box plus minus. That said, San Diego State, and we've seen this with Kawhi Leonard, this is a, this is a program where guys who come out of it, it's going to take them a couple of years. Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard was an undersized power forward when he came out of um, San Diego State, and now he is... He is a two-time champion on the who probably a top twenty, top ten player in the NBA at this point. Mm, yeah, maybe, maybe even top five. And if he yeah. and if he top five. and if he ever wins a third ring with another team, he'll be top five all time. But that's another conversation. Um, no, he won't. But anyway, yeah, that is a conversation for another time. We are not talking about that right now. <laughs> anyway, don't embarrass us on the pod, bro. With these awful takes. Moving on, moving on. <laughs> I will not stand for this criticism. Uh, anyway, yeah, Malachi Flynn, he is a speedy guard. The Nets are a great are a great spot for him because Steve Nash, yeah, we don't we don't know if he's gonna be a good coach, but the fact that Mike D'Antoni is there too probably teach the offense, that's a big sign right there. And I think that the Nets are absolutely gonna take a guard of some kind. We just don't know who it's going to be. And if mm-hmm. Flynn can go to Brooklyn and they're patient with him, they let him kind of come off the bench as as like a, as a rotational guy. At some point, whenever there's a vacancy at point guard, or maybe even at the two, we don't know how they'll use him. Uh, hopefully the point, because he is a tiny, tiny man. Mm-hmm. Um, they, um, yeah, they, I think they'll do a really good job with him, plain and simple. Yeah. All right. I judge. Go I ahead. You're right. Yep. And one more. You ready? Go. All right. Uh, we got another, we got another freshman for you. Uh, out of Texas Tech, another guy with a great basketball name, Jemias Ramsey. 6'4", 190, can play both guard positions, shot, uh, averaged 15 points per game for the Red Raiders um, in 
2019 and 20, 27 games, made over 44% of his shots and shot 42.6% from three, averaged 12.4 shots per game, 5.2 of which were three-pointers. Not much of a passer, but this guy, it could be a high-volume two in the making or maybe someone off the bench. Uh, NBADraft.net has his pro comparison as Dante DiVincenzo. Lean, what do you think of Jamias Ramsey? Good defender, which is nice. Good, good shooter from three, also nice. Uh, really bad from the line for whatever reason. Um, but no, like I like that he's a really good scorer. I yeah, think from, from, the cha- from the charity stripe, ladies and gentlemen, 64.1%. That doesn't yeah. make sense to me because you, you figure he's, he's pretty good from three. So, so free throws wouldn't be that much of an issue, especially as a two guard, you know? Yeah, I'm currently like reading about it. This is, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, I don't he's know, a, it's weird. He's a, tech, he's a he Texas also, product. Also played at IMG yeah. Academy in Bradenton for a while. Um, and one thing I'll he say- He ranked in the 91st percentile in um, catch and shoot attempts in the half court yeah. this past season. Yeah, cool. that, um, yeah, because one thing I want to warn about Ramsey as well is, and this is, and this is a, uh, a lot of college players, especially this year. Jamias Ramsey is a system player. Say it with yeah, me. He is a, so a good system player. Now, Texas Tech, uh, their basketball coach, um, I, I see him right in front of me, uh, Chris Beard. Chris Beard, yes. Uh, this is the guy who took, uh, you remember for that one NCAA tournament, this is the guy who coached Arkansas Little Rock to some, mm-hmm. uh, to some key wins, took them to, um, I believe it was, the, yeah, the second round. And then from there, he got the UNLV job and then turned that down to get the Texas Tech job. So, and since then, Texas Tech, they've been a championship runner-up. That was in 2019. And they are a fast-paced, uh, scrappy, spunky team. Have I, that's a good description. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- he's coming from a system where he's told, hey, run it and gun it, run it and gun it, run it and gun it. And sure enough, the Nets look like they're probably trending in that direction. Now, honestly, though, I yeah. his he's not a good playmaker. That's like his biggest flaw. Um, and I don't like. I think if the Nets take him in, like that's too high at nineteen. I I don't think that. Like I'd rather they didn't. I don't think that's a good value pick at all. Um, yeah. definitely not one of my favorite ones of the guys that we've gone through. Uh, his comparisons are, or did you see his comparisons? Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith. Um, um I, I think that interesting. I think that those are, those aren't terrible. Although, although Waiters is definitely more of a three and D as opposed to just a pure shooter. Um, I right. Think, yeah. yeah. I think that, um, for, in the case of the Nets, he'd be more of a, more of that Raja Bell type who's there just to hit the corner three mm-hmm. and, and then kind of take twos on an as needed basis. Now, yes, in, ter- yeah. in terms of in his position at number 19, I sh- this is on me. I should have explained my methodology from the get-go. I looked at maybe four or five different mock drafts going into the show, and I looked at the Nets pick. And in terms of the guys who I picked, they, weren't, they were taken either at number 19 or within five picks of number 19 in either direction. So that's our margin of error right there. Does that oh, make sense? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do, but I will say this, though. I still do think, like, let's say – like 24th pick or 25th pick in that case I still low-key think that's a little high on him um like okay. I've, I've actually seen a bunch of people that had taken him in the second round 
So I, well, I that, don't... that's the nature of a bad draft is that you're going to see some guys you think are surefire so second round picks be taken, let's say in the top 10. Like I remember 2013, that's so true. 2013, Anthony Bennett went number one. Nobody had him going number one. Right. No, no, no. That's, that's very fair. Yeah. So yeah, he could easily end up going like top 20 or something. That's true. Right. Um, but so, yeah, no, I definitely, I, I, I wouldn't really want the nuts to take him there. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that no matter what direction the Mets go in, the, the Mets, the Nets go in. The Mets. Yeah. We were talking about them a lot today too. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap, we'll wrap up with this. I think that no matter what direction the, the Brooklyn Nets go in, they are absolutely taking a guard and, and not just any guard. I think they're going to take one with, with some length and some size on them. Sort of like a, sort of like a bigger two guard who you could throw on the wing in an emergency and then develop accordingly. Um, well, you're pretty confident they're taking a guard. They're very interested right now in Patrick Williams, you know, Patrick Williams. Yeah. Um, from uh, Florida state, right? Yeah. For, uh, he he's not a guard and they're very interested in him and i wouldn't be mad if they took him to be yeah honest. i mean patrick patrick williams i mean he's he's probably the best wing in the draft not named denny avdia who you've heard mm. wax poetic about yeah um, and and just so i can tell everyone real fast if you haven't heard of denny avdia uh he's um played he grew up playing in israel um although he although he is uh, also of serbian descent and he's also one of those international guys who didn't really do much for his team but also, uh, but played well internationally. Guys, yeah. seriously, do yourselves a favor. Watch some, look him up on YouTube. It's like Luka Doncic plus Tony Kukoc. That's how, that's what he reminds me of. But anyway, uh, going back to the Nets. Um, I think that, look, gun to my head right now, if you're going to tell me, ask me who I think the Nets should take on draft day, if he's available, my clear-cut number one choice for the Nets is Theo Maladon. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I just think that, there's something about his game, and I've watched, I've watched a lot of tape on Theo Maladon, um, mm. this quarantine, this pandemic, because there's nothing else to do, right? Um, right. Yeah, yeah, and now because I don't know, like the way that the NFL draft is for some people, the NBA draft is for me. I like I watch a lot of college hoops. I know the coaches. I know the players. I think yeah. that out of all these guys, Ramsey would be a really good fit under Nash, Malachi Flynn. I think that. He could work well with Nash and in Brooklyn, but it's all a matter. But even but he is very much a reach at number nineteen. I wonder. Yeah, that's the problem. Pick. Yeah, I think that the Nets are best suited drafting one of Tyrese Maxey or um, Theo Maladon. Yeah, and and if it were up, if it were up those, to those me, those are probably my two favorites as well. To be honest, if yeah. it were up to me, it would be Maladon. Mm. Just because, like, it used to be, oh, don't take an international prospect. It's such a different game over there. Now international prospects are coming over to the NBA and they're thriving because there's no yeah. adjustment. Like, yes. that, like yeah. look, look back in like 2010. Remember that guy who was taken a few picks behind Kyrie, Jan Vesely, went to the, went to mm. the Wizards. Uh, he was Czech and they're saying, oh, he's got range. He's a thunderous dunker. I don't think he ever averaged more than like 10 minutes a game for the Wizards. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. Yeah, that's uh, not the case anymore. Yeah, no, like the international game has a voice and I'm actually thrilled about it. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's all for today on Yankees Mets Express, folks. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes, finally. Just search for Yankees Mets Express. We'll pop right uh, up. Yeah. Uh, this has been an episode for Elite Sports Radio, part of Elite Sports NY, the voice, the pulse of New York City sports and part of the Crossing Broad Network down in Philadelphia. Shout out to our guys in the city of brotherly love. Uh, did I forget anything? You got anything to add? 
Well, I think we got everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, and uh, for the Star Wars fans out there, Mandalorian's back. This is the way. I am so happy. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, you can find you can find me on Twitter uh, at Josh B-E-S-N-Y. At lean underscore Amin. And before we go, I'm looking at I'm looking at NBA Draft.net. This is not, God, in the first round, there are not a lot of good wings. This is a guard heavy draft, dude. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. yeah it's like the wings. Like I, I, I mentioned Adi, you mentioned Patrick Williams. Then there's Isaac yeah. Okoro, Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. And then mm. the, in the first round, that's pretty much it. It's good. Uh, hope everyone's looking forward to some offense next season. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> God, it's good. It, I'm really uh, excited to see which of these, uh, uh, of these prospects like actually ends up being good. Yeah, and then uh, successful and then, in the NBA. Yeah, and then uh, next week we can uh, we can go over the Knicks picks, and uh, okay. I will try yeah. I, I will try my I will try my hardest not to cry during that episode. I was gonna say yeah yeah I'm gonna start uh, taking bets on if you're gonna cry or not. Oh man, are we gonna are we gonna have to be like the what Michael Cage does? We're gonna have days without crying for Josh as opposed to like days without ranting for Don LaGreca. We really should do that. That's a great idea. All right, yeah. I'll just, dude, you're going to cry every day because I'll just keep bringing up the Knicks. I have been so disappointed by the Knicks for so many years that I have no tears left to cry over the Knicks. So Joseph, Yeah, I know. My brother said the same thing. I don't All right, I'll, I'll figure uh, it out. I, I, I'm agreeing way too much with Safe, and I don't like mm-hmm. it. That, that has to change. That's what stinks. You're both Knicks fans, so, you know, it's yeah, yeah. you can't hate each other about everything. Well, at, so. least, I'm not, at least I'm not an Eagles fan. <laughs> Retweet. <laughs> <laughs> not that i want to anyway, talk but yeah you know what well, that's another conversation we'll have when i turn the mic yeah. off. anyway folks that's all for us today thanks for listening go give us a like subscribe follow us on twitter and most important of all stand clear of the closing doors